Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. I am Doug, and over here, we were never moving all around. This is too hectic. <laughs> uh, okay. To the side of me is Bug, and below me is Doug now. I Doug. really just want to move everybody around again now. Yeah. Oh, God. Please don't. Just keep us moving. Keep us juggling through the entire episode. It'll be, you know, a, an exercise in, you know, your attention span, your, uh, I don't know, attention to detail, all sorts of things. It'll be painful, probably, likely. For all involved, yes. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, okay, anyway, we have a, like, a, a lot to talk about today. <laughs> it's been a week. I yeah. think that's the easiest way to put all this. Yeah. It's been... A week and a half. Um, so, yeah, we're gonna talk some NFL stuff. We're gonna talk some college stuff briefly. Then we're gonna talk more NFL stuff. Then we're gonna talk combine stuff, and then we're gonna do bracket time. All in the course of this one episode, it's going to be a lot. Hope you guys are ready. Strap yourselves in. Grab some popcorn. Uh, get active in the chats. And, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I think it's about time we get into it, right? It, it, it is, it is. Let's get right on in. So, probably should start with, you know, it's kind of basically the new league year, right? And we have a new salary cap of over $200 million again. So, that's that's fun. Good for the NFL. Um I guess that's what made a lot of these moves possible. We're going to see how that really helped the Saints and the Green Bay Packers here in a bit. It, but, it helped them all, but not quite enough. I mean, for to help the Saints, it would have needed to be three hundred and eight million, not two hundred eight million. But that's not going to happen. So, small victories, <laughs> right? <laughs> As if the salary cap even matters. But anyway, which is yeah. why I don't take time wearing it. I right heard you heard you the first several times you said that today. Um, <laughs> I guess next up we really should talk about Calvin Ridley. I feel really bad for this guy. This is really dumb. I completely agree because if you've been living under a rock, Calvin Ridley is essentially the new Pete Rose. He's the Pete Rose of the NFL at this point. He's been suspended indefinitely through at least the 2022 season for betting on NFL games during the 2021 season. Now, when this happened, he was not with the Falcons. He was It was in late November. Uh, there's no evidence that he had any inside information on the games, and I think it's pretty obvious because he lost every bet that he placed. He was, he was you know, this was during his leave of absence for his mental health. So people are calling a lot of stuff about that in the question, but th- at the end of the day, I have a big issue with the fact that the NFL is pushing sports gambling, pushing sports betting, and then it's going to ban one of their players who wasn't even active at the time for doing this. Like, I get it. I get that he went against, you know, whatever policy there is. But come on now. This is this is a bit ridiculous. So a couple things to add. Number one, while I do hate the suspension and I think it's misplaced, I think it's misguided and I don't agree with it. The only thing I will say is 
for the first time ever, I think I can semi-applaud the NFL for consistency. Uh, they have a precedent that that this betting is a one-year suspension as bad as that is, and as much as I don't agree with it, at least they're consistent with it. This is not the first time an NFL player's got wrapped up in this and was suspended for a year. It's still trash, but hey, at least you're consistently trash. I mean, a former um, former NFL MVP Paul Horton got wrapped up in this at one point. You know, yep. like this is this is not a new or unique problem. The circumstances have changed; are different. I'm still not. I'm still not entirely sure how if he is on a leave of absence and not receiving money from the Falcons, he is part of the league still. Obviously, I would expect him to know that if he, you know. And I think that that's why Calvin Ridley even came out and he's not, he didn't fight it. He said, yeah, it happened. You know, he's not, you know, he's not doing, getting in a defensive posture about everything. I respect him a lot for that. But at the same time, I, this makes no sense, you know. So the other thing I want to add, just because this relates to a story Doug has coming on later in college news, the reason he was caught was due to a compliance agency that the NFL has a deal with. DraftKings. Nope. Nope, there's a company oh, that... betting on DraftKings. Yes, but that's not the... So there, there's a company that controls all of the NFL's statistical data for these draft areas, known as Genius Sports. And like I said, that's going to relate, come back later in the show. But because they're a compliance agency, because they control the stats, they had to report it to the NFL. Uh, lame, dumb, boring. I, I don't disagree, I but it's it's kind of in, intriguing that it relates back later. I mean, not I wasn't saying that part's lame. I'm saying yeah. suspending Calvary is really dumb. Facts. Um, I will say the poster child for gambling in the NFL, Arch Lichter, did get a much worse penalty than one year suspension. Uh, basically, <laughs> played one season total for the Colts, and then that was about it. But also, he definitely gambled much more than Cal Ridley did. So, hey, we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, next up, with some more player news, let's talk about Deshaun Watson, man. Um, yeah, Deshaun Watson's story is still happening. Um, apparently, the criminal charges have been dropped, so that's good. That's not necessarily so the end of it. As the grand jury just isn't going to indict him on those. Yeah, the criminal charges were right, they weren't dropped. They were yeah. right. He was not right. There's no criminal. Essentially, there's no criminal case here. That being said, he still has 22 civil case uh, civil cases that are out. Uh, who knows which way that's going to go? In NFL, I just applauded you for some consistency here. If, if we're going to sit here and say that whatever Deshaun Watson may or may not have done, and I'm fine if you wait till after the court rulings for this, but if you're saying that it's not worth at least a one-year suspension, I have some serious issues there. So we're still waiting on those civil cases to flesh out, and then we're still waiting on the NFL to make its final decision. I wonder if he's going to come back and try to claim time served, you know, because he like kind of self-imposed the suspension he here. Not this isn't college football. You can't LSU this bullshit. Why not? I mean, because he because he's a player. He's not an owner. An owner definitely could. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. Stephen Ross is still going to be just fine. God after damn. all this. 
<laughs> I have gone off all week since this news broke about how we're still allowing Steve Ross to continue operations of the Miami Dolphins. Like as acting owner, not put or as owner, not putting in an interim like while we figure it out. As he's sitting there with federal bribery charges for trying to buy losses and failing. Yeah. Good stuff. Gotta love the Dolphins. So let's talk about a team that might try to trade for Deshaun Watson uh, now that there's no criminal cases. I mean, probably not yet, let's be real, but, you know, it's a team that's in the conversation. And it's a good segue. So we're using it. The Carolina Panthers. <laughs> they have a new practice facility they're working on. I haven't worked well, on in a while. Uh, $800 million practice facility. And they just stopped working on it. They paused the operation because the city wasn't going to help them pay for it anymore. Um, hold hold up a second. Didn't the city pay for your stadium? Can't you afford something that's like a third of the cost of the stadium? I completely well, forgot that that was earlier this week, too. That's how crazy this week's been. Right. Uh, I'm going to come out and say that maybe the Panthers really don't have the money. They've been kind of in a bad spot. Um, that being said, last week when I defended city funding of stadiums, I did not mean city funding of practice facilities. That offers absolutely zero economic benefit to the city. It makes absolutely no sense, and the city should not pay for it. It depends. I mean, you, you could find it other depends. uses for it. I mean, you know, that's why the city Bengals don't have one, right? Well, I mean, Jerry Jones was going to have was going to have the XFL championship, or maybe it was the AAF championship at the Cowboys practice facility because of how it was built. It would have been able to support a crowd. So, I mean, I'm not saying that you know Carolina was ever going to have okay. something that would be that open to the public in any type of form like that. So, if you make another stadium, stadium sure, <laughs> essentially, not, right? It's and not, it's not and the thing with it, the thing with it too, is you're right, but I can almost guarantee you that the Panthers are going to want exclusive rights to that facility. Just the way people operate, they're going to have the Panther stuff all over it. Not even maybe one or two sponsorships in there for when they have uh, open training camp practices, things like that. But for the most part, it's going to be bare walls, Carolina stuff and offering nothing in terms of revenue for them or the, or the city. Right. Except for, in theory, enticing the Panthers to stay in Carolina, uh, which they totally were going to anyway. Yeah, so. they're not moving, so. <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of stadium funding, Buffalo getting a new stadium, still in Orchard Park. Uh, the governor of New York is confident, in her own words, that they will have a new deal by the end of the month um, for basically the state helping fund the new stadium. Is this the actual governor of New York, or is she technically the interim governor of New York? With that I don't keep up with New York State. That's politics. valid. That's valid. I was just curious. <laughs> I just know that in the articles that I read, in the information that I received, she was referred to as the governor. <laughs> Honestly, this is good for Buffalo. They've needed a new stadium for a while. Um, what they have up there in Orchard Park is is kind of brutal. I just hope they keep stay away from the dome and they keep the open air. Nothing really compares other than maybe Lambeau in the winter to a, a winter Buffalo game in the heavy snow. If I could make some suggestions to the Bills in maybe making the new stadium, 
I would say they need a vending machine for dildos that they can throw on the field. Oh my god, make this a thing. And maybe even an outside vending machine for picnic tables that fans can jump through. They they also need to have a traveling vending machine for the dildos, specifically that goes to New England, because that's where they seem to throw all of them. Or oh, they have some of your at home games when New England is in town. <laughs> oh, you're right. Or have some of your stadium vendors, you know, the guys who walk up and down the stairs, just. Oh my God! Going. Can can we make Buffalo's new stadium Bad Dragon Stadium? Maybe maybe get that one sponsored by a bank rose. Have have Buffalo be home of the BBC. Ben is trying so hard not to laugh. I mean, would you like to explain to our listeners what Bad Dragon is, Jonathan? <laughs> no, please don't. No. <laughs> Just make sure you look it up on, on Google on your workstation at work, and yes. you'll be okay. Yeah, please do it in a public setting. Um, well, library is a good place to do it too. With a lot, yeah, gather, gather everybody look around. Look it up with your parents. All the way up. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> in other organizational news, the <laughs> wow, what a transition here! Uh, the Indianapolis Colts have a new diversity fellowship. Yeah, serious topic now. I don't know how you're going to make this transition. I'm just going to lean into it and pretend that everything's okay. There are uh, so many different ways we can take that without this conversation. Lean into it, so to speak. Please stop. Welcome uh, to the show. So essentially what's happened here is that Colts have committed to hiring at least one minority candidate on either side of the ball. So they have an offensive and a defensive assistant who are both minorities. They will be named the Tony Dungy Fellows. Um, of course, named after the first black coach to win the Super Bowl, Tony Dungy. Um, I kind of think this is probably the direction that Remy Rule needs to head. Maybe get some assistant coaches in there, get people into the, into the system instead of trying to force them into head coaching roles right now. There's nothing in place to get people coaching experience. So let's kind of start integrating that idea, maybe. Wait, makes more sense. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me when you give teams autonomy to do what they, they want to do, good things come out of it? Oh, isn't it really weird that like freedom yeah. works and stuff? Yeah, it blows my mind. It's kind of crazy how like free market you know does some things sometimes. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Speaking of assistant coaches, uh, Brian Greasy is the new coach for the San Francisco 49ers out of nowhere. Okay. Well, they, they needed somebody to be the quarterback's coach in position. While, let's be honest, Kyle Shanahan handles the rest of it. I mean, true. They could have just hired another defensive assistant, though, instead of hiring a quarterback's coach, since it's going to be Kyle Shanahan. I mean, you might be right. Instead of hiring Brian Greasy straight off of ESPN. Uh, not my decision. <laughs> I didn't have I didn't hold the interviews or it would have gone very differently, I can assure you. <laughs> 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 and 
Anyway, moving on. Uh, that's probably all we're going to talk about the NFL up top. I mean, we have a whole section after after we talk about non-NFL pro news and some college news. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about some off-season moves that have happened. So we didn't talk about the trades yet. We didn't talk about the signings yet. We didn't talk about the franchise tags yet. Any of that. That's all coming up soon. Stay tuned. Right now, let's go ahead and dive into some non-NFL pro news. Bug, you want to take us away? Yeah, we can do it. I'm actually trying to get into our notes here from last week and see. Okay. I just want to make sure what we were tracking so far with the craziness and thrash that has gone on with the team formerly known as the Wild Aces in the FCF. So defending people's champions, I might add. Uh, And, you know, the new name, there were a bunch of names put out. Hot ones or hot shots or whatever looked like they were in the lead. And what do you know? Should have been stars ends up being the winner. So it's a, I'm not a fan of the name personally. What I'm really not a fan of is the three top three logos that are in the final vote phase right now. Go to fcf.io to check them out. I think you have to be a Wild Aces should have been stars fan to be in on the vote. Uh, but it's it's kind of disappointing to see it. All of this like it's weird to me because all of this started, you know, the four original teams had their jersey votes. Wild Aces jerseys were questionable at best. <laughs> they scrapped the jersey because nobody liked them. I thought they were, you know, I personally didn't mind them. They were super busy, so I, I think that's probably why most people didn't like them. Uh, but ultimately, everybody said, "Hey, no, we're uh, we're not going with these." So the jerseys went away, and then they. Lost a couple owners, changed the name, and here we are now. So, FCS right around the corner. Uh, starting April 16th, the same time as the USFL, who recently had their supplemental draft. We're live here on Friday. Supplemental draft was last night on Thursday. These got these eight players, or ten players per team, rather, uh, they're going to create essentially a practice squad for these teams, and they're going to be on the team. We saw a lot more... You know, a lot of teams didn't take a kicker or didn't take a punter. We kind of saw that filled up and fixed in the supplemental draft, uh, as well as, you know, adding more depth at some of these positions, uh, specifically some of the ones that we highlighted after the initial USFL draft. And then last but not least, a third spring league, not the XFL, Major League Football. Uh, are It's happening, maybe, kind of. They've got logos, jersey designs talking about playing in the spring but aren't clear if it's this spring or next spring and look it's the only publicly traded spring football league i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for them right uh but we've complained about the usfl not being transparent and the major league football has been way less transparent and they're a publicly traded company so you know just keep that in mind i don't i don't get it it's uh yeah, it's happening? Maybe. I think so. Maybe. They think so. <laughs> right? I still don't think so, but, you know, it's possible. might happen. Man, I I will not invest in that league. I'm just going to say straight up. <laughs> That's where I'm at with it. Um, I have been trying this entire time to go vote on a new logo for the FCF new team there. 
and uh, I can't get in, even as I registered a whole new account and tried to sign up for that particular team. I, so, I'm getting a uh, 404 error myself. Yep, same as me. So either they're on to me. The vote might have closed. The vote, I mean, it's it's 8 o'clock Eastern. Might have closed. It's 8 o'clock p.m. in Columbus. Um, Michigan still sucks. Yeah, all right. I hate that name, by the way. Should have been SARS. Uh, absolutely, it's trash. Terrible. Anywho, let's talk about some college news. Are y'all ready for it? Send it. <laughs> um, so, I guess let's start off with... Um, start off with the Genius Sports tie-in. Remember Genius Sports from you know, NFL News a little bit ago? Well, they're back because the Mac just signed a partnership deal with Genius Sports. They're going to control all the Mac's stats, which means that you can get some better stats like betting and stuff for Mac games. Um, for for your Tuesday night gambling needs. Yeah. Everyone needs a little midweek action. Action on the Mac-tion. So Genius Sports does this same kind of thing. They control the data. They sell the data. They market the data. Um, they do this for a ton of leagues. I think the NFL, they do it for NASCAR. They do it for PGA. They do it for supposedly 400-plus organizations worldwide. Basically, they do it for everybody. But the NCAA has had some very strict rules about this sort of thing until recently when they basically threw away all of their rules and said, fine, do whatever you want. And so the Mac has come in and signed this new partnership that is probably still against NCAA rules, actually, but nobody's going to do anything about it because the NCAA threw away all of their claws, <laughs> like declawed themselves. So there's nothing NCAA can do about it. Mac is totally on board with sports gambling now. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's not the degenerate pastime that it used to be. It's pretty degenerate. Not gonna lie. Yeah, but it's acceptable now, so it's okay. <laughs> I don't know if that means what you think it means. <laughs> Speaking of being acceptable, Nebraska's all for it, too. Shocker. <laughs> Hell yeah, um, Nebraska. So Nebraska ran a survey of a bunch of their fans in the Lincoln area and found that um, 90% of respondents said it would either not affect or increase the odds of going to games uh, if they were to sell alcohol in Memorial Stadium. People were more likely to attend games. Which, I'm, I'm going to ask yeah, the question. Uh, yeah, but I need to ask. Not going to affect, is that like a bunch of people saying, look, I wasn't going to go anyway. You had alcohol. I'm still not going to go. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Does it uh, Does it change the likelihood that you will attend a home game if we were to sell beer? Um, I'm kind of surprised because don't they still have the longest sellout streak in the NCAA? Yeah, but they've had to have donors and boosters buy half those seats I mean, that's true. multiple times, especially this that's past hard. season. Right. So technically, yes, but 
kind of know. Um, <laughs> they also, as part of that survey, were looking into whether people were okay with sports gambling happening at the stadium. And a surprising majority of people were totally cool with that. Um, probably because nobody cares anymore about sports gambling except for the NFL. And uh, and the MLB. Yeah, I'm sure baseball would, would ban some right. deals for life. Probably. Actually, they definitely would. <laughs> uh, the NBA probably wouldn't even ban anybody. <laughs> but baseball. I don't know. They had the they had the ref scandal a few years ago, didn't they? Well, That's yeah, different. the refs is different. Get LeBron betting on games, and everyone's gonna but forget about shit, gambling. Yeah. 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 Uh, Nebraska did just legalize sports gambling, so for Nebraska to be looking into this at this time does kind of make some sense. And if that happens, that would be. Very interesting. Turn wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. stadiums into uh, Churchill Downs. So yeah, I was just say. So you're telling me, Nebraska not only approved sports gambling in the stadium, they also are now allowing alcohol in the stadium. Now, if that's not complimentary moves, I don't know what is. They haven't approved anything. It's all that stuff's technically legal now, but it doesn't exist yet. The survey is gauging interest. So just. Real shocker. Everyone's cool with it and would totally do it if it were there. Wow. Just saying. Never would have guessed. I mean, apparently, apparently the president of the university was surprised by this. He's like, wow, such an outpouring of support for alcohol. Like, no. Duh. Bro, you, no you're way. not the president of BYU. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's still crazy to me that you will have a wet campus, and yet at athletic events on stadium. campus stadiums, they're dry. Right. I've never, right. I've never understood it. Now, like obviously, Memphis doesn't have an on-campus site for football or basketball, so it's a very or men's basketball at least, I should say. So it's a very different dichotomy here, because Memphis is a dry campus, but at their two biggest money-making sporting events. They sell ass loads of alcohol. Yeah. That's yeah. A good time. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also probably better to just have a wet campus because nobody cares. Also, and everybody's that. breaking the rule anyway. So let's just know that. <laughs> Speaking of breaking rules. Right. You see how I'm trying to get better at transitions here? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, LSU totally messed up on basketball and football, and only the basketball team is going to get punished because that's the way the SEC works. Uh, Actually, their head coach is already gone with basketball, but uh, football, literally nothing is going to happen. We don't even know what the violations are. Let's be fair. I was going to say, could you imagine Brian Kelly getting hired and then something that Coach O did? They're like, well, look, dude, there's allegations against the program. we got to let you go. I'm not saying you need to fire all your new coaching staff. I'm saying there are other ways to punish the team. You can do some scholarship restrictions. You can do you can affect bowl eligibility. That's... All sorts of things are possible and have totally happened before and could happen again if it were any other school. But it's an SEC school, and so nobody cares. And nobody's going to talk about this any longer than, you know, after we stop talking about it, everyone's going to be done thinking about it. I hate it. 
depending on what the violations are, I would like to see this affect their bowl eligibility. I know it's not going to be a thing, but I I really wish they already they'll they'll impose a one year bowl ban. That's that's about it. No, they're going to self impose. Uh, I forgot the self the self part. Yeah, yeah. They're going to retroactive. Yeah. Well, we missed the bowl. We really suck. Yeah. (laughs) We we missed a bowl in 1983, so that's going to count as our. We were banned. We we <laughs> self banned ourselves nineteen eighty three when we were four four wins on the season. That's definitely enough, right? So yeah, we don't know what the violations were. We know there were some violations. There was an outside company that came in and said, "Hey, the basketball team and the football team both have broken plenty of rules here. Let's not allow that to continue." And LSU said, "Okay, cool, thanks. We're going to keep doing whatever we do." Doug. I have some concerns. Okay. How the fuck did you know LSU had four wins in 1983? <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Welcome to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. <laughs> where one of us does really dumb amounts of research. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. I just I had to ask because I had to. You look researched it up. a joke. He researched a joke to make sure it was actually. Good. I didn't. I completely made that up, and I'm. I was and that's why I looked it up is because he he said it, and he just has a knack for these things. He, he researched a joke. I did not I research that. <laughs> I really didn't. If I research a joke, that would be the epitome of sadness, and just <laughs> exemplify how lonely yeah. I am. Anyway, let's talk about some player news in college now, uh, because there is some fun stuff happening. Let's start with Baker Mayfield getting a statue at the University of Oklahoma. Going to unveil that at the spring game. They need That's something positive to happen. Cool. Right. They lost their coach and their quarterback. Let's bring Baker back. And their other quarterback. Happy. Yeah, and their other they did. They did bring in Brent Venables and Dylan Gabriel. So they're totally going to win five games. Oh, cool. Yeah, because Mackenzie Milton did so great for FSU. It'll be perfect. Right. And, you know, I mean, let's not forget the best quarterback to ever come out of USC or UCF, Wayne Gabbert, the boat. He was <laughs> all-time great for the Jaguars, right? The greatest quarterback to come out of the UFC. That would be That'd Brock Lesnar, I guess. Like, <laughs> Well, he played defensive tackle, or he tried right. to. Yeah, but – Anybody else in the UFC play quarterback? Since we're talking about UFC, did y'all see Greg Hardy get knocked the fuck out this week? I did not. not. Dude, I haven't watched a UFC event in several months, and I don't like the fact that I haven't watched a UFC event in several months. But it's true. I'm sorry. I'll let you down. Let's talk about LSU again. Yeah, back to football. (laughs) Because Jaden Daniels is at LSU now. And if you don't know who Jaden Daniels is, because you are terrible people who don't watch Pac-12, Jaden Daniels is probably the best quarterback prospect Arizona State has had in a very long time. And then he left Arizona State and said, I need to go somewhere where people will watch me play. So now he's at LSU. (laughs) Looking forward to that, I think. I think it'll be interesting. I think think it's definitely going to help him out really suck if he doesn't get bowl eligibility for the rest of his college career now. I would laugh so hard. I'm not gonna, not even kidding. I like the guy. I think he's great. 
if he transferred to LSU and then LSU gets like railroaded, that would be so great. <laughs> uh, I'm done. I'm done shitting on LSU. <laughs> All right. What, what do you say I take it? Take us over because you already mentioned Baker Mayfield here. What do you say I take us over for some uh, NFL offseason news? Yeah, that totally involves Baker Mayfield. Go ahead. No, no, I was looking at our notes and saw I want to make sure that we had hit it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So the way this is going to work, guys, I'm just going to list them off by trades, tags, and extensions, uh, and then cuts. And I'm just going to take free reign. Uh, you guys can chime in. Just let me get through the overall. Hey, this fits this section, and then you guys can chime in and say what you think. Uh, so arguably the biggest trade of the offseason is going to be Russell Wilson is going to Denver along with one of Seattle's fourth-round picks. Uh, Seattle is receiving two first-rounds from 22 and 23, uh, two second-rounders from 2022 and 2023, uh, 2022 fifth, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, and Shelby Harris. But here's the kicker. The Seahawks are now officially paying Russell Wilson $26 million, to play in Denver. Uh, that is the, the second biggest trade of all time. I believe According it. To the number of pieces moved. Yep. Only the Herschel Walker trade is bigger. Wow. Mm. Moving in to our next big quarterback move, and this time big is a little bit smaller. Uh, you've got Indianapolis sending Carson Wentz in a second round to Washington. Uh, the commanders getting their quarterback. I guess they handled that situation pretty quick. Uh, Washington, in return, is sending their second round, uh, their third round this year and next year. And that 2023 pick can become a second if Carson Wentz plays 70% of Washington snaps on offense this year, which is ironic to me because that was like the same stipulation that the Eagles had when they traded him to the Colts last year. Except it was a conditional first round. First rounder, yeah. And he did, and they gave a first round pick to trade him for other weapons. Yeah. That's, that's really point. cool. If uh if he starts week one and it should be expected that he will, he'll only be the second starting quarterback to start for three different teams for the first game of the year, three years in a row. Huh. That's insane. I can't and, remember for the life of me the name of the other guy and I didn't write it down, so shame on me. I apologize. While we're talking about weird stats like that, I do want to throw in here that Russell Wilson has a chance to become the youngest player ever to have a win against all 32 teams if he beats the Seahawks in the regular season this year. And they will. The Seahawks are in full rebuild mode, whereas there's another NFC team we're going to talk about that's made a couple moves, not just in the trade department, but in the cut department that I don't know if we can classify them as full rebuild yet. He would also have to beat the Chargers this year. That's the other team he doesn't have. But he plays them twice now in the regular season. So, real good shot. Well, he's going to have a lot harder of a time running away <laughs> from Khalil Mack on the Chargers as Chicago sent him down to uh, the Chargers for a the for the Chargers' second-round pick this year and their sixth-round pick next year. Ben, I know <laughs> you've got a lot to say on this one, so I'm going to throw it to you. What, do, what are you thinking on this? Uh, I mean, I've got more overall thoughts on the Bears in general. That, that was obviously the team that I was talking about. And yeah. when any – there are two two guys released today, Tariq Cohen and Eddie Goldman. I'll just throw them out. We can knock all the Bears talk out early. When I saw Goldman was released, I almost messaged you guys like, hey, has anything else happened? Because all like the only updates I was getting were about the Bears. And it seemed like the past two days, 
they've been the ones kind of hogging the spotlight, so to speak, as far as uh, as far as yeah, as far as season your years. updates. But and that's that's, that's why, yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I know there's other stuff going on. Uh, but cutting y'all did get Darrington Evans, so congrats cutting, on that. Cutting Tariq Cohen, cutting Eddie Goldman, and cutting Danny Trevathan, along with the trade for Khalil Mack, the pieces that they got don't seem to be all that big until you realize that uh, the Chargers are also taking on most, if not all, Khalil Mack's remaining contract with Chicago. So I've seen a lot of people say, obviously, the Bears are in a rebuild, they're in a rebuild. I don't think it's that easy. Uh, if you're looking to see if the Bears are in a rebuild, you need to keep an eye on if they let go of Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, and really, it's going to depend on how the season starts for Roquan Smith, but he's going to be another piece that during the season or next offseason, you'll be able to tell if the Bears are committing to a rebuild or if they're just trying to continue with the status quo of what they've been doing the past few years. So I How old is just... Roquan Smith? <clears throat> He's coming Even up on the last year of his rookie contract. Who cares? Sign that dude for 10 years. I agree. $400 million. So, I now. <laughs> so the only thing I want to say, Ben, is I don't know how much of that contract that the Chargers took because according to Over the Cap, the Bears still have $24 million of dead money sunk into Khalil Mack. For this yeah, does not matter. dead money is not the same thing as actually paying him. The Chargers will be the ones paying him, but the dead money, dead money sucks. Don't is, don't isn't that don't just money? About dead money? I was gonna say, isn't that just money you can't spend? Yeah, as it, this is, see, see, there's a stipulation everywhere, and then at the end of the year, you sign four guys that haven't played in six months, and you have them on your Super Bowl roster, and you win the fucking thing, five hundred million <laughs> over the cap. So who gives a shit? All right, I'm gonna move I down. This one, you actually talk only about the cap. I'll I'll mute myself. I won't say anything. But like, <laughs> driving me nuts. Moving down to the tag, I did not look up what the tag values were for each of these positions. I only know it's tight ends not, off the top of my head. It's not worth it to know what the tag values are. Yeah. The, so the big tags this year are gonna be Devontae Adams and Chris Godwin from wide receiver. Uh, one thing to note is as it is Chris Godwin's second year being tagged, there is like an additional bonus. Yeah, it's, it's something it's something weird. It's like yeah. 1.4% of the tag value for the it, second it year. Starts like to 1. Climb, 7 yeah. third year. It starts to climb exp- exponentially every year. You add a tag on them again. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cam Robinson is tagged also for the second year row at left tackle. Orlando Brown tagged. David and Joku and Mike Isecki covering down for the uh, covering down for the tight ends along with Dalton Schultz and then Jesse Bates also uh, tagged there. Sorry, I stalled on Dalton Schultz because for some reason I thought he was a quarterback and then I remembered he and Andy Dalton were the first quarterback uh, tight end duo to uh, throw a pass that had the same last name and first name. So I had to work myself around there, so that's why I That spelled. is a really weird way to remember ah. Dalton Fultz as a tight end. Yeah. Anyway, do <laughs> either of you guys have anything big to say on any of these tags? These seem honestly mostly expected looking at these. Uh, I, You guys have talked to me. I called the Gusecki tag like three weeks ago. Right. I mean, if anything, it's interesting that there's only one tag on the defensive side of the ball from Jesse Bates. Um, it's also not unexpected. 
I am kind of surprised that the Packers and the Buccaneers found the wiggle room to get Devonta Adams and Godwin back. But like Bo keeps saying, the cap doesn't really matter for anybody for any reason or any time. So I'm more surprised that Devonte Adams was a guy they wanted to tag, but when you you know bend over and let Aaron Rodgers shove it in you, you can't really spend money on anybody options. else because right. the tag the cap matters, but it doesn't. And again, it's just it, it doesn't nothing nothing makes sense. Correct. <laughs> Uh, I will say I absolutely hate the tag because it takes all the players' negotiation powers away. Uh, absolutely despise it, and I wish the NFL would get rid of it. That's like, that's one thing they, I'm looking forward to in the next CBA. Because um, they have so much negotiating power in regular free agency. It's got to tamp that down. Come on, NFL. <laughs> Go over yourself. Anyway, moving on to extensions. Ben, since he kind of highlighted it, Aaron Rodgers is absolutely giving it to the Packers in the worst kind of way, complaining about weapons, complaining about weapons, complaining about not having a defense. So you know what he's going to do? He's going to go sign a four-year, $200 million extension with 153 guaranteed. Those are rumored. The The final stats have not come out from what I've seen. But Jesus yeah. Christ. Aaron Rodgers tweeted that we don't know what the deal really was, which means well, it, was it was probably four years, $202 million or something stupid. And yeah, it was rumored to be like four hundred million initially, I think, or so, you know, just something absolutely ridiculous. And I think well, he's not making a hundred a year. Yeah, I think that's. I think that was actually when he said nobody knows. Like you don't actually know. Blah blah blah. Go okay. fuck yourself, dude. Right. <laughs> just you, trying to be trying to be Joe Rogan with Spotify. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. He's going to end up saying, oh, well, we don't have a defense or I don't have enough weapons to throw to me. Like, yeah, well, you have half the fucking cap room that we can spend and right. we, you choke all the time in the playoffs so we can't go sign guys to be $10 million over the cap because we don't ever get the opportunity to get that far in the season. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on to some other extensions. Harold Landry III was signed to a five-year $87.5 million contract. Mike Williams, three years, 60 mil. Jason Kelsey, one year, 14 mil, becomes the highest paid center in the league, if only for one year. And then uh, Max Crosby signed, I saw this one break today, four years, 98.8 million with 53 million guaranteed. He has earned every bit of that contract. Correction, it is 98.98 million. I'm sorry, you're right. Because you're apparently right. that mattered so much. They, they wanted. They wanted wanted the numbers to match. So uh, it's really crazy to me that Max Crosby was just uh, two years out of rehab now and signing a $100 million contract. So apparently that rehab totally worked for him. Good job, Max Crosby. Staying sober. Speaking of rehab and staying sober, uh, Josh Gordon's name is on here. So I'm assuming he got signed, but I see no stats for it. Yeah, we have no idea what the contract details are. I just saw that he got re-signed by the Chiefs, which, you know, cool. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, let's hope his rehab worked this time, and he's signing a $100 million contract in a couple of years. Uh, Christian Kirksey re-signed for two years, and then the big one out of the coaching world and front office world, Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Keem have been extended by the Cardinals for six years. After all that in the offseason about hating each other, they about all just Kyler Murray not being happy, everybody's right. mad. Yeah. 
Right, and they're working on an extension for Kyler Murray, too. Isn't that weird? I thought it was interesting, though, bringing back Christian Kirksey, the middle linebacker for the Texans, right? <clears throat> the, the surprisingly halfway decent unit that has been, was kind of created out of thin air for the Texans there. Getting him back for two years, that's kind of a bigger deal than anyone's going to talk about. I know everyone's going to gravitate towards the big money signings, but also Harold Landry's way overpaid. So let's talk about somebody who actually matters. <laughs> Is he? Uh, I mean, I I, don't get me wrong. I think it's a high a high dollar to pay for potential, but I I don't know. I, I he doesn't him. have any consistency to where I would want to pay him ninety mil in five years. Yeah, How much fair. is guaranteed though? That's fair. Probably fifty something. Yeah, yeah, that'd be my guess. All right. I'm going to move us along to my favorite part of the offseason here. I actually really do enjoy restructures because it shows guys who are trying to uh, open up some cap space for their team. I just like to see who the good guys on their teams are. Uh, Cowboys freeing up about $22 million in cap space, restructuring Dak Prescott and and Zach Martin. Carolina. Dark Perskirt. Dark Perskirt. He's the... uh, I can't even finish what I was going to say. Uh, if you've heard about the rumored verbal confrontation, uh, he's the Kirk Cousins of Dallas. That's the way I can say it, um, according to Amari yeah, Cooper. I don't, at I least. don't know. I don't know how true any of that is. I, think I know. I, I know. Right. Part of me thinks it's one hundred percent meme, but it's also hilarious. So I want to. I don't I'm, mind perpetuating. I'm going to choose to believe it. Uh, Jack Thompson and Taylor Morton, uh, Moton, sorry, out of uh, Carolina cleared about 16 mil with their restructures. And then between Andrus Pete and Alvin Kamara, New Orleans was able to free up about $42.5 million. Well, that's uh, total because we've talked yeah. about Ryan Ramchick and Michael Thomas restructuring yep. their deals before. So now all four of them together is like $42.5 million. Yep. And there's and been some other restructures with them as well. I know Cameron Jordan, there's one backup offensive lineman who got restructured as well. I don't have the details on those, so we know for sure it's at least forty-two and a half million that they cleared with just these restructures. It's insane, and they're still over the cap. We'll get more right. of that later. Right. <laughs> Jack Conklin uh, out of Cleveland freed up about four million for them, and then Green Bay trying to do everything they can uh, restructuring David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones. Freed up about twenty million just to go give it to their quarterback who wants more weapons but also more money. Right. Because that makes sense. Yes. Actually they probably use this to tag um what's his Devontae face? Devontae Adams. Adams. Devontae then, Adams. Yeah. Then they just straight up gonna fake their way into the money to keep Aaron Rodgers. That, that I mean, makes sense because the franchise tag is, for wide receivers this year is 18.4 mil. Yeah, I was going to say 18. So, whatever. Whatever. They need to tackle anyway. Not like Bakhtiari can hold up anymore, apparently. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, moving down to cuts. I'm just going to, again, I'm just going to read these down. Um, I don't have all of their prices out, but just know that a lot of them save their teams a good chunk of money. Uh, Seahawks cut Bobby Wagner uh, for the second season in a row. The Patriots 
or Kyle Van Noy is unemployed in the offseason, cutting, uh, being cut by the Patriots. Jordan Hicks released by the Cardinals. Uh, Roger Saffold uh, has been released. Landon Collins released. Trey Flowers gone. Still no word on Amari Cooper and Jarvis Landry, who are the next two people are expecting to be cut, but no word. They're not on the market yet. Uh, Tariq Cohen, Dan, uh, Eddie Goldman, Danny Trevathan, as uh, Ben has let us know from the Bears. Carlos Hyde is unemployed. And then one that actually surprises me, but he was being paid a little much for a kicker of his age, is Greg the Leg, uh, is currently unemployed. But I have a feeling that uh, all of these guys are going to be gainfully employed sometime uh, within, honestly, the next week and a half. Right. Right. If, if Zerline signs for about half of what he was making before, he would be right back with Cowboys. If he just, you know, yep. five million a year is a little bit much, you know? <laughs> 2. Yeah, 2. Five I could, is a little I much. See, I could see Carlos Hyde and Tariq Cohen not being resigned because Cohen, the reason he was released was he couldn't pass a physical, right? So they were able to release him under that rule. Um, and Carlos Hyde, Carlos the only reason Hyde. he was signed is because it was Urban Meyer. It was it, well, it was kind of an emergency thing as well, right? So um, I don't know. It's uh, no, they still no, had James really. Robinson. Urban Meyer didn't realize he had James Robinson, but he was there the whole season. Well, he did realize he had James Robinson because he was going to use Travis Etienne in the slot. Apparently, He'd teach him a whole new position. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And that's why we don't have Urban Meyer anymore. That's it. That's the only reason. <laughs> It's not that Urban Meyer was the best kicker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He had the best hands. Oh, how many, I knew uh, how many guys coming. retired this year? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm actually going to gonna adjust this, uh, and I'm going to go a little out of order here. I'm going to go with teams that are still over the cap. And, guys, I don't think I've seen this many teams over the cap before, especially when they increased uh, cap space by about, well, over 10%, honestly. Uh, they increased it 25 mil. Uh, we're now up to 208. Uh, so Packers are about 25% over the cap. Uh, they are 45.8 million over. Isn't it Thanks, really weird Aaron. that they're paying their quarterback 25% of the cap? Yeah. So strange uh, how that lines up. The, the Saints are still finding themselves 24 million over the cap. Uh, Rams are 20 mil over. Vikings 15, Bucks 10. Uh, the Niners and the Chiefs are both sitting at 6 mil over. Uh, Chiefs specifically at 6.3 and Niners at 6.4. And then the Giants with their mess of a roster are somehow 5.8 million over the cap. The reason this is happening this year uh, that I can guess is the way the NFL likes to structure contracts. A lot of these teams like to backload contracts on the assumption that the cap is going to go up. The issue is when you have a bunch of guys that are coming up at the high point of their their salary at the same time, it kind of puts you in a bind. So looking at this, I've got all of these teams in cap prison right now, and it's going to be hard for them to work their way out. Well, let's be real. The reason that the Packers, Saints, Rams, Vikings, Bucks, 49ers, and Chiefs are over the cap is because they have good rosters and have a lot of good players who need to be paid well. The Giants is because of poor management. That's <laughs> why they have a new GM. Right. And then finally, I'm going to cover down our final two retirements that we have to announce, uh, at least to this point, the newest ones. Uh, Jack Doyle was a former undrafted free agent out of Western Kentucky. 
he was technically a member for the of the Titans for one offseason, but was scooped up by Indy immediately, and it truly played all nine seasons of his career there. Two-time Pro Bowler and uh, made a total of $37.9 million. Honestly, coming out as undrafted, Doug, thank you for your notes in there. It's fantastic. I'm going to give you credit there. Honestly, he made a career coming out as an undrafted free agent and having one hell of a time out there. Yeah, career earnings, 38 mil. That's pretty sweet. Not going to lie. <laughs> More money than I'll ever have. Exactly. All right. And then a guy that I have enjoyed watching, uh, I'm honestly kind of sad to watch him uh, retire here, West Point grad Alejandro Villanueva. My man has done three tours in Afghanistan with the Army, earned a Bronze Star. Honestly, he gave everything he had in the Army and then came back and gave it all in the field for, uh, what, how many seasons was he out there? He was on the Steelers for six years. And then was really bad with the Ravens last year, so I don't think yeah. barely even counts. So he seven seven seasons after doing three deployments, earning a bronze star. Absolutely fantastic. This man was honestly one of the rocks. Uh one of the things that sticks out to me is when we had all the kneeling versus standing uh for the flag controversy, Villanueva was the only one who came out of his locker room uh for one of the games when he was down in Pittsburgh. Absolutely enjoyed watching him play. I'm sad to see him go, but honestly, man, happy retirement and enjoy it. We haven't done this in a while. Uh, dude, I'm going to say it. I think Bill in the Wave is going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, he had that kind of presence off the field, and I, I think that means he something to the NFL. Three, he had three tours in Afghanistan and played seven NFL pro seasons. His knees are fucked. Right. Yes. <laughs> Right. Yes, definitely. Uh, one great thing about Villanueva is that he taught Juju Smith-Schuster how to drive. That's a very fun side story. Can we teach Juju how to play wide receiver again? Yeah, that will be his next project. Good. Uh, I don't see any way he gets in the Hall of Fame. He didn't play long enough. But he, over his six years with the Steelers, he was certainly that good. And he did make two Pro Bowls for it. He made a whole bunch of money. So... You know, not too much to complain about. There's the path to the Hall of Fame requires, you know, time plus, you know, results. And he had some results, so he didn't have enough time. Let's you know, we real. say that a lot, but Megatron and Barry Sanders. Okay, and well, there, Megatron there was record-breaking. What record can you break as a left tackle? Exactly. Other than most Iron Man starts. Exactly. So there's no offensive tackle going to get that kind of love if he's only played seven years in the league and one of them was ass. <laughs> one of them was absolute booty trash. He let up the most sacks of any tackle in the league last year with the Ravens. So he ain't he ain't getting that up all thing, no. <laughs> all right, guys, I'm going to open up to you guys. I don't want to read down this list of star-studded free agents we have this year. Uh, I, I'm going to pass it to you guys first, and then I'll highlight some guys that I want to see uh, honestly, I'm going to focus on Miami here because I talked a lot about other teams last week. So I'm going to say who I want Miami to go after. But but where where are your guys looking for your big free agents? I want to see Miami after they franchise tagged their tight end. I want to see them go after Gronk. I want to see them maybe replace Tua with James Winston. I want to see them go after some more cornerback help because clearly don't have enough of that. So maybe J.C. Jackson would be good to throw about $40 million at. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> no, this is a really deep creation class. This is really deep. And all right, I I'm kind of stealing this line from CBS Sports Writer. At the same time, it is it's totally real. If Emmanuel Agba had gone number one overall, he would be getting way more hype than Jadavian Clowney to this point. He has way better production and way better consistency than Clowney ever had. They're both free agents. Clowney might end up getting paid more still. That is criminal because Emmanuel Agba is that much better and nobody's talking about him. But there are some great free agents out here. Uh, It's one of the deepest free agent classes I can ever remember. I mean... I'm looking at it. You got J.C. Jackson, Tyron Matthew. So you got two top ten defensive backs right there. You got Vaughn Miller, Eddie or Akeem Hicks, Emmanuel Agba, Jadavian Clowney. Four guys you could put in the top ten. You know, Clowney maybe in the top twenty of defensive linemen. And I would put Akeem Hicks in that top five of defensive tackles. I know he's technically a defensive end just with playing interior for the Bears in their system. Then you've got Bobby Wagner. And let me make sure I'm not missing any other. I mean, that Bobby Wagner to me is the biggest name on here, though, if I'm being completely honest. That, I, that when he was cut, I wasn't. I won't say I wasn't surprised by the Russell Wilson trade because he was cut first, right? I won't say I wasn't I surprised know. by the I Russell Wilson trade. I still was, but it just it, it signaled full rebuild in Seattle. Right. Like when whichever move happened second, the first one was shocking. The second one was okay. Was this like, makes okay, sense. Yeah. This is where yep. they're going. It's probably where they right. should have gone a few years ago. Yeah, cutting Bobby Wagner saved him like 16 now. Yes, 16. But also, he's been the leading tackler in the NFL for like the past five seasons and only getting better somehow. Yeah, he's going to be huge for whoever picks him up. And you're talking about uh, a couple of other like really underrated guys in this class. Like Carlton Davis is a really good corner. Leighton Vander Esch had an incredible season and then got thrown to the side when Micah Parsons came in. But there's mm-hmm. a real reclamation project there. And if somebody turns his career around, there's there's been proven to be plenty of potential with Leighton Vander Esch even. And that's like way far down the list of free agents at this point that people are going to be talking about. I mean, Larry Ogunjobi and DJ that's, Hill yep. are really good defensive tackles. And, like, nobody's going to think of them. You know, Winston and Bridgewater, the problem, the only problem with both of them recently has been the injuries. Winston's looked a lot better since he had that eye surgery. Bridgewater, Bridgewater had the Broncos looking respectable. And it's just injuries, man. Like, that's, that's what's killing them. I don't know if they'll, I don't think they can get anything other than a backup at this point, no matter where they go. Right. But who who knows? Because the draft class isn't especially deep, you know. Like I don't know. And you gotta think the Colts need a quarterback now. The Saints still need a quarterback. The Buccaneers need a quarterback. There's plenty of needy teams and not all that many available a, options. Yep, a Jameis return tour to either the Buccaneers or the Saints would be 
probably right. be interesting. Honestly, it'd be really fun to see him in the Colts, though. I I, I love so. this free. I love this free agency class. It's going to be fun to see where these guys go. Uh, again, you guys have covered a lot of the defensive stuff. You have two of the top offensive linemen in in the NFL in this free agency class in Taron Armstead and uh, Brandon Scherf. Uh, fun fact: Guess who I want Miami to go after right there? Uh, anyway, <laughs> no, th- this this entire class is absolutely loaded. There are teams out there that have a ton of money to throw around. I'm looking at you, Indianapolis, with your cool 69 million. Actually, I'm pretty sure nice, it's close nice. to. I think it might be 69 420. Which, if they do, there they might be my new. Very nice. Want to help me? Let me you confirm to, this. You have to try to get 69 million 420,000 cap <laughs> Somebody did that on purpose. Oh, so whoever they, they're they're a little over. They're 69 million 806. Oh damn. And all right. <laughs> I mean, if they want to give me, uh, you know, three hundred and six thousand dollars or three hundred and eighty-six thousand dollars, I will help them get back to four twenty. <laughs> Just buy me a house valued at that exact price. Right. Exactly. Give me so a signing bonus. LA. I'll come in and I'll bomb the physical, and you can let me go. <laughs> I mean, we're looking at some good receivers in this class, too. I mean, OBJ's free agent. Yeah. No, he just well, tore his ACL gonna, again or whatever. But he's going to be a vet man signing later in the later in the offseason. Which is terrible. It shouldn't happen. Um, but you might be right. Juju's a free agent, and he has been good as a second option. So if you can actually pair him with a good receiver on the other side, he might be good again. Uh, I mean... Allen Robinson is a free agent, right? Yep. Finally. He's been waiting long enough to say that. So, Amari Cooper is probably going to be a free agent. And there are some legit receiving threats out here, too. Jarvis Landry is probably going to be a free agent. Right. Right. No, it, 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 let's just say I think we're going to have a busy show next week when uh, the money starts flying. Actually, another receiver I know is a free agent, super underrated. Russell Gage has put together a couple of really good seasons yep. in Atlanta. And mm-hmm. wherever he goes is going to be a very big help. I would love to see him go to like uh, the Chargers. Him and Mike Williams work, would work well together. And if they could get rid of the aging Keenan Allen, maybe while they still can get some value out of him, really build up an entirely young core in that offense. Yep. That would be really fun. Probably not going to happen, though. Anyway, <laughs> some, some like uh, Madden moves right there, what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, Doug, I think that's all I have for Combine. Yeah, the, okay. the, the underwear Olympics. It's yes. finally time. I will I say, though, I, I know I gave, I gave you a little shit for pushing this last week. But we had to. We had some amazing stuff happen when the big men took to the 40-yard dash. And that's just the start of it. That's – I'm still scared at that number. That should not be humanly possible. Like, it's not. He's not human. Uh, he's not a human. He's a first-round draft pick. <laughs> anyway, jump on into it, buddy. That's Jordan Davis we're talking about. Uh, anyway, yeah, we – 
we got to see all these different prospects come out and put on a show for us. There were a couple of big names that chose not to participate. I'm looking at you, Evan Neal and Nicobe Dean. But at the same time, those guys are probably first-rounders already anyway, so kind of who cares? Um, I'll Nicobe Dean's like on the edge, but whatever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> also had Matt Corral not throwing, um, which is not a good look for him necessarily because he also didn't participate in the senior bowl with an injury. If this is the same injury, then maybe it's like a legit serious injury at this point, and that will hurt his draft stock. But we don't know yet. So a couple people didn't really participate. The people who did really put on a show. This is one of the... It feels like we say this a lot. About every year it is like legitimately, provably true. This is one of the fastest combines of all time. At yeah. basically every position. Like, Especially wow. defensive tackle. So there is some discussion of how valuable the combine is anymore because of this. It keeps happening. You'll get to see like record-breaking performances all the time. Are people studying too much for the test and not studying enough for the real-world application? That is a legitimate concern. If you're only good at the 40, does that really translate to being fast on the field? Maybe not. At the same time, these are the tests that we have and you need to do well when you get thrown into the spring. So, that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> I mean, all, at least for Calvin Olsen, he was a dual two-sport athlete in college initially, right? He was a sprinter on the track mm -hmm. team. It plays right in at least the 40-yard dash does. But, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Who cares if these dudes have this crazy high vertical? A 40-yard dash – there is applicable that you can apply it in multiple situations and positions. That's why they have everybody do it at the combine. But at the end of the day, no defensive lineman is going to be dead sprinting 40 yards ever. Because even if they get the ball, they've probably stumbled into an interception or rolled over it and had to get back up. And they're, <laughs> I mean, it's just, but can you if imagine they have to go forty yards? They're not getting. They're not getting there. You imagine lighting Jordan Davis up at receiver. <laughs> no, not even that. Jordan Davis just jumping up, picking the ball off out of whoever's hands. I think he might make it from forty yards out. He might need the oxygen tank after, but he gonna make it. Jeez. <laughs> so right. So whether or not the combine actually matters is up for debate. At the same time, it's really fun, and I love it. So we're going to talk about it. <laughs> so my plan, uh, I don't know how much of the combine. You, you, how much did you guys really see? I Watch of anything? Nope. Bug, did you get to see any of it? I did not get to see anything this year, no. All right, so it's going to be just me. Get ready for the Doug show. That, okay, that could have been taken several ways. We're going to move on. Uh, we're going to go position by position. I'll talk about some good things I saw, some bad things I saw for each position. This is going to feed into a couple of articles that I will throw up on bdtfootball.com. You can already see my post-combine mock draft on bdtfootball.com. 
I will have a position rankings coming out relatively soon. Um, I'll announce that again when we get down to it. But this is going to inform you know, that prospect rankings. It kind of has to. So stay tuned for all that stuff. Go check out our website, pdtfootball.com. And without further ado, let's talk about some stuff that happened at the Combine. So let's uh, see. Everybody wants to start with quarterbacks. Let's do it. Let's start with quarterbacks. Yeah. Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis are really athletic. Uh, if you didn't know that, which you should have known that. But they are. So that's good. <laughs> Checks. Also, Carson Strong is not athletic at all. If you didn't know that, which you should have known that. <laughs> you know it now. Um, yeah, Malik Willis has really elevated himself in this offseason. His game tape is, like, really inconsistent. At Liberty, he was either fantastic, unbelievable, amazing, or he was really head-scratching concerning. This whole offseason, he has been stellar, outstanding, number one quarterback for sure. We're going to see how that really affects how teams view him. It feels like there's a big media push for Malik Willis to be the number one quarterback off the board right now. I don't know how much of that's going to be felt the same way by NFL teams, right? Kenny Pickett still probably feels like the most day one ready kind of guy. But he has tiny hands, and that's apparently a huge deal. <laughs> to a bunch of old heads, it would be a huge deal. And we know the NFL is full of old heads. So, I don't know. Maybe that matters. Maybe it doesn't. I mean, Joe Burrow also apparently has tiny hands, and he was, you know, the Super Bowl was just in his grasp. So, you know. But Obviously, it's the it, most it, important. His hands weren't big enough to grab it's it. The, so. It's the most important metric when measuring a quarterback's worth is how big or small their hands are. Right. I prefer looking at arm strength, in which case Desmond Ritter is like a third-round pick. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <I'll, laughs> anyway. I mean, and I think that's my biggest thing, too, is like the combine did make Desmond Ritter, Ritter look good. Like that, That's been a big takeaway that I've seen other places as well. <clears throat> but I saw a lot of issues with his game, particularly when they played Notre Dame. Right. For whatever reason, he wasn't making the throws. He wasn't – there were, you know, you go down the line of issues that he had in that game. You know, and I'm, again, just looking at that game specifically, so I yeah. – Right. Well, you can see it kind of all year. He has some accuracy concerns. He has some arm strength concerns. He also runs a 4-5-40, which is really good for a quarterback. So how do you value Desmond Ritter – Nobody kind of knows right now. It's really weird. He had a good combine performance, so that's all we can really say right now, you know? Fair enough. Uh, let's go on to wide receivers. Wow, this is – I know a lot of people talked about the receiving group last year, and even last year I said watch out for this group coming up in 2022. This is the deepest class of wide receivers probably ever. I have 25, 26 guys that I would be totally cool drafting in like the top three rounds. I'm not even kidding. This is amazing. This is amazing. Um, I'm going to list a couple of guys who have really, really impressive combines. It's not even really in order. I don't know how to rank these guys right now. This is really insanely difficult. Uh, Calvin Austin, you talked about. Yeah, he looks really fast, 
really explosive. Right. He can also catch and run routes. Cool. Amazing. Uh, I was the ball too. Uh, Christian Watson. So, wow. Um, how did we not know about this guy like seven months ago when he won another FCS title and, you know, is 6'3 and as, can run like this? Uh, Sky Moore, Kevin Austin Jr., Alec Pierce didn't get talked about nearly enough on that Cincinnati team. And then you have the pair of Ohio State receivers, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who became the second set of college teammates ever to both run under 4-4 at the same position. Uh, the last time that ever happened was another set of Ohio State receivers, Paris Campbell and Terry McLaurin. Look, the Ohio State flex. There it is. Had to get it in. Uh, I will say the two guys who performed the worst out of anybody in a receiving class um, in the combine was David Bell and Traylon Burks. At the same time, we totally expected this, right? David Bell is not your athletic freak that we saw out of the last Purdue receiver that we just, everybody was ooing and awing over. Uh, David Bell plays a very different style of game, right? So, He's your traditional big body. He's really agile, though. He can get in tight windows and make some impressive catches. Traylon Burks was not expected to run a 4-4. He ran what he was expected to run, which is like a 4-6. He plays faster than that. So, again, what does the combine really matter? Traylon Burks is probably still a first-round receiver after all that. But, wow, there are some fantastic... Fantastic performances here in the combine with this receiving group. Favorite way I've ever heard it put is track speed is different than football speed. Right. Right. Definitely is. And Traylon Burks was able to run out of the slot. So. And he was an explosive wide receiver, too. Like, if he got right. the ball in space, he was gone. Right. I mean, honestly, the same with David Bell most of the time. So, yeah, they didn't run very fast in the 40-yard dash okay, we'll put the ball in their hands and watch them evade your defensive backs anyway. Yeah, this this receiving class is absolutely nuts. Uh, tight ends, we were expecting to see the race for tight end one in the class to be cleared up. It wasn't really. Trey McBride and Greg Dulcich are probably still neck and neck. Um, Isaiah Likely is definitely your tight end three behind those two. So I guess that got cleared up. But after that, a couple of big movers in both directions, honestly. Jelani Woods, huge and athletic freak. What more can you ask for, right? I guess you can ask for some college production, which he doesn't have. And that's why he's not going to be like your first tight end off the board. But man, if you get him fourth, fifth round, that's looking pretty good. Um, same with Chigo Conquo out of Maryland. He didn't have much opportunity as That's the tight end for Maryland. Right? Uh, and Put that on the all-name roster. Chig is the shortened version of a name that I can't attempt to pronounce. So, Well, now i got to look it up. Challenge accepted. If yeah. he can't pronounce it, there's no way we can. I mean... You can, poorly, if you want to. Um, Wisconsin tight end Jake Ferguson did pretty bad, though. 
got to say. Uh, people were looking at him as potentially competing for that tight end three, tight end four in the class, and he's he's sort of, he's dropped himself here. Uh, expected him to run faster. Expected him to jump higher. You know, those sorts of traits you're looking for. Explosiveness, speed, quickness, that burst off the line. He didn't really display any of that. So Jake Ferguson probably drops in favor of maybe Jelani Woods and Jake Falco. Have you found it yet? She goes in. Sure. Counts. That's what this website tells me. She goes in. I Jigazim Okonkwo. Right. It's too That's, weird for me. I, I can't handle it. I'm I think the eye threw me off. I want to say Ozium. Yeah. Ozium. But something about I before E. I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's talk about running backs here. Run back, run back, run back. Run back, run back, run back. Bring that back. Let's do it. That's a very old throwback. When was that? That was like the first couple months was, of the pod existing. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was a <laughs> shitty song on Madden 20. That's <laughs> where it came from. <laughs> and it annoyed the shit out of John, so I had to keep bringing it up. Anyway, uh, best running backs that we saw out there, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. I mean, yeah, come on. It's kind of the guys that we expected to see do well. Did not expect them to do this well. They both ran under 4-4 in the 40. Absolutely nuts. Did not expect that at all. Um, yeah, both these guys are kind of the complete package now. And they're good. They're good running backs. Uh, Pierre Strong also, like, legit. Go Jacks. Right? <laughs> uh, Pierre Strong was kind of looking like a 6th, 7th, maybe UDFA kind of guy. And after this performance, probably worked his way all the way up in the fourth round. I mean, that's that's legit. He looks like he has some real traits to work with, and he will be drafted. Uh, I will say Isaiah Spiller went into the year as a potential RB1 in this class, and after this combine, he looks very middle of the road, pretty mediocre. Um he can catch. He has that going for him. I've never seen a running back named Spiller that I was impressed with, though, in fairness. So, wow, hating on CJ. Yeah. Real yep. real CJ hater. I see Yep. It. Sure am. 100%. <laughs> so, question now, before we move on, do you want to talk about interior offensive linemen and tackles separately, or just talk about offensive line together? Just go it, go all at once. Yeah, keep them all together. Uh, we're running long. Let's just move it. Uh, so Evan Neal hopped out, which means we didn't get to see Evan Neal do anything. Um, at the same time, it was probably smart because he would not have performed well compared to some of these other guys that we knew already were pretty athletically freaky, such as Iki Iquanko. Iquanu, what did I just say? Oconquo. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Chigozum. Yeah. Uh, Iquanu. Um, he's fantastic. He's he's great. Iquanu is... I've had him going number one overall in all of the mock drafts that I've published. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, 
also really fantastic uh, out of Abraham Lucas. Um, Trevor Penning is like solidified tackle three for me. Bernard Raymond looks really good. Uh, interior, Zion Johnson is a beast and a half. Uh, Dylan Parham looks really good. Rising up boards basically every time that we see him do anything. Because he's good at everything we ask him to do. So that's cool. Um, Cam Jurgens moved up boards. Maybe not even for his workout, but for his interviews. When he brought his own beef jerky and handed it out to teams who interviewed him. That's amazing. He made some beef jerky and brought it to the Combine to give to NFL teams. <laughs> so I, I don't see him here, but I have to ask. Where where do you have uh, Tyler Linderbaum after the Combine? Or was he not not there? I didn't even check if he performed or not. Linderbaum is so good, it didn't even matter to me. I don't, kind of don't care. <laughs> Linderbaum is the best player in this entire class, hands down. And he's going to go in like 15 to 20 range because he's a center. Linderbaum is one of my favorite people in this class. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, bad for offensive linemen, I would say Kenyon Green. Looked pretty slow. Bad day for Texas A&M guys, huh? Uh, Max Mitchell also looked pretty raw and also really undersized. Uh, he was listed at a respectable size at Louisiana, but come to the combine, and he's kind of undersized. Uh, if you're undersized and unathletic, that's a really bad combination, and you will probably not get drafted anymore. Sorry, Max Mitchell. Um he was looking like a mid-round pick, but maybe maybe bottom of the maybe sixth, seventh round. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm sure he'll get a chance somewhere, but it's not looking good after that. Uh, defensive line is where the magic happened of the weekend. Fact. 341 pounds should not run at you. Before after. we say that, before we say that, Devontae Wyatt had the best combine performance of any defensive tackle in history until his teammate showed him up. Unreal. Which you should be used to. Because I had no clue who Devontae Wyatt was, but I've known who Jordan Davis is. Um, okay, so Georgia had a really good defense last year. <laughs> <laughs> so is uh, Bryce Young. Game. Except for one game. Right. That I'm not saying they threw it. But I think they fucking threw it. And if Calvin Ridley is being suspended for betting on games he wasn't involved in. I'm Man. just saying. No, no. It's okay if you buy losses, but not if you bet on the game. Fucking. Anyway, Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt. Yeah. So these two, if we're going to take the combine literally, let's just say that they tested as Hall of Famers. That's about what happened. Um, you will be forgiven if you forgot that there are other defensive tackles in this class. There are some pretty good ones, though. Would recommend checking some of these guys out. Uh, Travis Jones is the only good thing out of the University of Connecticut in the last, I don't know, 15 years. So that's cool. 
Yes. Thomas Booker um, has been a name that I've been looking at for quite some time. Is finally catching some a little bit of buzz, especially after showing that he's a lot more athletic than people thought. And Perry and Winfrey is might be sneaking into the first round consideration here. You know, there's there's not too much depth at defensive tackle in this class, it feels like. But there are some really good options. If you need a defensive tackle, this is a fine drive class to need a defensive tackle in. I will say, again, bad day for Texas A&M. DeMarvin Leal just didn't show up. He played all over that defensive line. And he tested as if he should never, ever in his life ever see defensive end. He can be a nose tackle, maybe, with that athleticism grade. Man, he is slow for a defensive end. So, I don't know what's going on there. But I, again, this is the kind of guy came into the year looking like maybe DT1 in the class and is leaving the combine and everything as like a middle-of-the-road kind of a prospect. Really a rough couple of months for DeMarvin Leal. Got to perform when it's on the line, man. And last time, he went up against an actual offensive tackle prospect. That was Evan Neal, and he's in the conversation to be number one overall pick. So we see how that turned out, right? (laughs) Yeah, but Marvin Leal won that game. In the regular season, I'm talking about the Senior Bowl. Ah, Anyway, Edge. Let's talk about about Edge, because uh, there's some good ones. Pretty good edge rushers in this class. So Kayvon Thibodeau is another guy who didn't uh, didn't show up in this combine, didn't perform. That's fine. He's going to be a top 10 pick anyway. So kind of who cares? Would have liked to see him do it, but he didn't have to. Right. That's kind of the same with Aiden Hutchinson. It was cool to see him do that. He totally didn't have to, but he's like, he's good. <laughs> see, but that's, that's the weird thing, too. You know, we've been talking about how much the combine doesn't matter, but everybody's saying, well, now Aiden Hutchinson's looking like more of a lock for that number one over Kayvon Thibodeau than before, and it, it's a whole thing. Right. Just go do the circus. It'll help you out in the long run, I guess. I guess that's the message we're sending here. Probably. Probably. As terrible as that is. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, Trayvon Walker. Yeah, Georgia was really good last year on defense. Uh, David Ojabo did pretty well. Um, is sliding down draft boards not of any fault of his own, I would say. It's just Jermaine Johnson feasting and feasting on these combines and these uh, senior ball and everything. Jermaine Johnson moved from a guy who was really underutilized at Florida State to being a legitimate top 10 pick. Wild. Wild what draft season can do to you. Um, Boye Mafe looked really good, tested well. He's kind of raw, but he's very athletic. Uh, Nick Benito. I've also heard it pronounced Benito. I don't know which one's correct, but he's really good. <laughs> Suffice it to say. And then a guy that I hadn't heard of until the combine, Amari Barno, out of Virginia Tech. Really didn't play much at Virginia Tech. I don't know how he got a combine invite. I guess he has good connections. Okay, this dude is amazing somehow, I guess. 
at combine stuff at least. He'll get an opportunity somewhere. He might get picked up a late round. I don't know how good he is at football, but he sure is athletic. Know that. <laughs> uh, George Karloftis tested very poorly. Expected that he's known for being very technically sound and not very speedy about it. So it's kind of what we expected would happen. Uh, the one, there, coach. the one real concern of the combine for edge rushers was Majai Sanders, who showed up at 228 pounds. Uh, and if you want to be a defensive end in the NFL, you need to be about 60 pounds heavier than that. So what happened here? He He's looking like a strong safety. <laughs> Maybe he's looking for a position change. He tested as an edge rusher, so that was up to him to declare. He said he was an edge rusher. Now, he did have some kind of sickness, he said, that caused him to drop weight. He lost, like, 20 pounds since the senior bowl, which is another reason for concern. Jesus but, Christ, that's a lot of weight. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, not not good. I mean, two two fifty. You're still small. I mean, we'll we'll give him benefit right. of the doubt as far as this goes and say it was about two fifty. Uh, that's still a fairly small NFL edge rusher. The difference is though, if he could get back up to that in a healthy way, putting on another 10, 15 pounds in an NFL weight room shouldn't be that uh, insane to see happen, and definitely not right. out of the realm of possibility there, right? So. I don't right, know. Over the course I, of this summer, it could happen. Yeah, so he he was listed 6'5", 255 uh, at Cincinnati this past season. So Yeah, I think at the Senior Bowl, he came in at like 240-something. So he so had lost showing, weight. And, yeah, I was going to say, that's showing a, a trend of losing weight, though. You right. would think that for somebody looking to get in the draft, they'd be in the weight room, if able, like three, four five days a week. So there was some people, were some people speculating that sentence just didn't want to come out correctly. There were some people speculating that he was dropping all this weight intentionally to get some good combine grades. He ran the 40 very well. You, you would expect him to at 228 pounds compared to the other yeah. defensive ends running at 270. But, you know, Kind of rough. At one point this season, he was considered to be like a first round defensive end. That's that time is gone for mm -hmm. him. Um, linebackers. This is a really deep linebacker class. All of a sudden, that people weren't talking about. If if you were a linebacker and you showed up to the combine, odds are very good that you looked very good. So. Uh, Troy Anderson out of Montana State has played quarterback, tight end, and linebacker, and now he's going to be drafted as a linebacker, probably in the top three rounds. He is very good. He's very good. Is he very good? He's very good. Yeah. Christian Harris, Brandon Smith, Chad Muma, Leo Chennault. Great workouts. Um, I know what I said about Devontae Wyatt. And Jordan Davis, Channing Tindall had one of the best workouts of the entire combine. That Georgia defense was very good. Um, 
The one real big exception to my linebacker rule there, that if you were a linebacker and you showed up, you performed well, would be Josh Ross, which makes me happy inside because I hate him for existing. He's Wolverine and doesn't deserve life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness. Devin <laughs> Lloyd ran slower than expected, but it's not that bad because he already looks amazing. And in-game, he looks faster than 4-7. So it looked like he didn't really prepare too much for the 40. He was a little bit side to side. I would expect him to improve that at his pro day if he wants to. I mean, he doesn't even have to. He's already basically LB1 or LB2 in this class. So just like Nicobe Dean didn't work out, it would have been probably better for Devin Lloyd to just not work out. But he did, so it's a little bit of a knock on him now, I guess. Kind of. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Cornerbacks up next. Some very impressive corners. I know everyone's going to be wanting me to talk about Kalen Barnes, the second fastest 40 in combine history. Here's the thing, though. You need more than just speed to be a good cornerback in the NFL. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you can have just speed to be a real good returner. Well, you better be able to catch the ball, too. That's to fair. Be fair. I thought so, you couldn't catch, and that's why you were a cornerback. Well, if you're going to be a returner, you need to be able to catch. That's a different kind of catch, though. You just, you know, you make the basket and you let it fall in. in you theory. know, I'm, I'm trying to make a point that Kalen Barnes isn't a good corner and you're making it difficult. Yeah, that's our job. Yeah, I don't like it, though. Can you not? <laughs> Thanks. You do this to me all of the time. And you don't like it either. <laughs> Doesn't mean I can't repay the favor. So, Sauce Gardner is probably the best corner in this class. I know what I said. Kair Elam looks really good. Um, so, his name is Sauce? His name is Ahmad. He goes by Sauce. I'd go by Sauce, too. Yeah. All I'm saying is if we get covered by Sauce or covered in Sauce as the breakout, like, that needs to be the thing. That's really disgusting. Sounds like a t-shirt idea. Maybe we should open up a store on VDTFootball.com. <laughs> Let us know. Let us know in the comments if you think we should. Yeah, for his, sure. his teammate, Kobe Bryant, is not getting like any recognition, and he won the Yeah, because forward. his name's fucking Kobe Bryant. He's not the real Kobe. It's not spelled the same. Who cares? <laughs> He's undrafted anyway, just on principle. Get out of here. He's really good. So, okay, if you want to win football games, you'll get good players regardless of their name. Uh, Tariq Woolen. Unless they went to Michigan, right? Exactly. Exactly. Now you're thinking like a true NFL executive. Uh, Tariq Woolen looked really good. Like he might end up being a first round pick. One of the most fun things about watching UTSA. So kind of understandable. Uh, Zion McCollum looked really good out of Sam Houston State. Not getting much love until the combine when he showed out. Um, and in the, in the drills too, not just talking about the 40 and stuff. Like, he actually looked, he was able to cover some of these, like, day one receivers. A couple of other guys that were really impressive. These were, like, the top four for me. Sauce Gardner looks 
like he might be better than Derek Stingley Jr. And that's sacrilegious, but I think it's true. Um, I will say for bad cornerback performances, there's not like too much bad that happened necessarily. Kyler Gordon didn't perform as well as people expected him to. And so he's getting some hate for that. Now, it's kind of a weird situation with that because it's almost like you're getting mad at your kid for getting a B. And I don't really want to be that kind of a parent here. At the same time, I know he's capable of an A, right? So let's see some effort and get in the A. Um, he is physically able to run faster than he did in the 40. It's obvious if you watch him play. I don't know what's going on. So he didn't perform that well. Expected him to, like, threaten the record for 40 time, and he just he looked like an okay corner. Right, it's it's not necessarily a terrible thing, but he's probably not going to be a first round guy anymore. Like he would have gotten hyped for if he had done what we thought he was capable of doing. Safety, really the same situation with Kyle Hamilton. Expected him to dominate, and he just didn't. He looked like a good safety, so he's still the number one safety in the class by a lot, but he's not like a top three pick. That's Fair, because he's a safety. <laughs> um, other potential first-round kind of guys, Lewis Seen looked amazing. Again, the Georgia defense was really good. Um, Daxton Hill is looks really good. I know I just broke my own rule, Teton players. But, you know, is what it is. Uh, Jaquan Brisker looks good. Nick Cross was impressive here out of Maryland. Didn't expect a lot out of him. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know much about him heading into this, so I didn't expect much. The people who knew expected him to put on a show, and he did. So that's good for him. He probably got himself drafted here. Uh, Tyson Anderson also, a really fantastic performance. And looked every bit the part of an NFL safety here. Uh, I also really like Marquise Bell. Out of Florida AM. A little HBCU talk here. Good safety. Good stuff. I feel like I just talked for half an hour uninterrupted. So if you guys have anything to say, please chime in. Man, you said I, I needed this update on the draft class. I missed the combine. That's on me. But uh, you always bring in some good insights. And apparently you know everything about the history of football. So who am I to debate you? knowing that LSU won four games in 1983. I really... That's amazing. <laughs> I can't. That's what a wild guess. And we just sat here and talked about how much the combine doesn't matter. <clears throat> and I can't tell you how frustrated I've been seeing people post videos of the clock on the TV not stopping when they think it should. For 40 times. Right. And they're, oh, it's a conspiracy to drop his draft stock. Well, I'm like, no, it, it's an unofficial time. And if you've ever watched the draft, they say that at least 15 times when every position group is running the 40. But no, it's clearly a conspiracy because they, for some reason, don't want Tyler Boyd's record to be broken. Or, or it was, was it wrong? I don't even fucking remember who it was. 
Uh, um, John Ross. Josh it John Ross? Ross. John Ross. Yeah. John Ross. Okay. Another John Ross was This he, what did he run? Four two two. Yeah, and, and it's just yeah. it's ridiculous because I I don't understand how we haven't figured out to get the laser times to be the ones that are shown on the TV yet. Like that still doesn't make sense. Well, to me. apparently it just takes time, which doesn't. I don't understand why it takes I don't, so much I don't time. Either. Just just have the clock displayed in the laser trips the clock. That's how that works. Apparently not. I don't know why not, but apparently not. Ask ask the Olympics. We don't see them run the 100-yard dash and get an unofficial world record out of it. Like, they know what they're doing. And that's my point, is it just, I don't know. It doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, I agree. I'm just throwing out there that, you know, happens. We got something else we need to talk about, though, guys. All right, pause ain't over yet. Pause ain't over yet, baby. I think you know what we got to talk about. Where's the song? You you keep hitting the wrong button. Oh, my God, I hit the wrong Ah! button. Whoa. (laughs) There we go. You are struggling today. I, I don't know what's going on with this computer. Is my it internet taking a shit earlier? Things aren't going to work when I hit them. Apparently my internet's not working all that well either today. So. Yeah, if there were any, if there were any uh, issues, I, I've got two internet connections I've been using this hotel, so I was able to switch. Thankfully. So, Doug, thank yeah. you for that beautiful intro yet again. It's amazing every time. You feel free to record a different one. I'm begging no. you. <laughs> no, you can record fun. it and send it in. We'll we'll see what we can do with it. Yeah, we'll debate if we use it or not. <laughs> Actually, if one of our fans wants to send us a clip of a new bracket time song, feel free to do so. I like that. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, bracket time. We're gonna be talking about the best MVP in NFL history. This is week four of a several week process here of trying to count this down your votes on twitter instagram facebook certainly help us out every single week so make sure you're going to our twitter at bdt football our facebook facebook.com slash bdt football our instagram at bdt underscore football and help us vote also if you want to sign up on our patreon patreon.com slash bdt football you can be the deciding vote totally if you give us five bucks we can make it happen. Please yeah, give us five bucks. Whatever you want. <laughs> Jesus. We are we that are, cheap. We are selling the draft to you <laughs> if you're willing to pay for it. If I were a GM right now, I would say I will use my first round draft pick on whoever you want me to if you give me five bucks. That's what we're doing. And I'm sticking not, to it. I'm not ashamed. Sign up on our Patreon. So, our first bracket of the day, the first matchup of the day in this bracket, is 2019 Lamar Jackson. Uh, was a unanimous MVP, but is our two seed, because the way we seeded this bracket, right, he was the second ever unanimous MVP. Up against 2003 Peyton Manning. Now, on social media, somehow, inexplicably, Peyton Manning won. So, I think I kind of gave away how I would vote here. But it's up to you guys first. Uh, who moves on? Lamar Jackson, Peyton Manning. Yeah. Unanimous MVP winner, Lamar Jackson. 
I was going to say, social media, I love you guys out there. But here's the thing. More total yards, more touchdowns, less interceptions. Eh, slightly under on a completion percentage. I don't care. This is not peak Peyton Manning. This is not best Peyton Manning. This is nowhere near record Satan Peyton Manning. Absolutely not. I'm, I'm going to go Lamar on this. And Doug, are you going to say, uh, or Ben, whoever set this up, I enjoy how you placed the BDT helmet because now it looks like Peyton's trying to throw the BDT helmet. You're welcome. I would add to that while Michael Vick, uh, let me let me take it back even a little bit further. Fran Tarkenton was the first dual threat quarterback. Michael Vick probably did it the best over the course of his career, and Lamar Jackson is still playing and very young in his career. He might take that reign. But what so reign is he abstracted? Right. What reign Lamar Jackson has already absolutely taken is he had the best single season by a dual threat quarterback, and it was this season. Right. Right. 41 touchdowns to six interceptions in itself is way, way better than what Peyton Manning did in 2003. And if you'll remember, all the way back to when we started this bracket, Peyton Manning was the co-MVP this year with Eric McNair. And uh, if we have a co-MVP moving on past the unanimous MVP, that would be pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. So Lamar Jackson and nobody paid us five dollars, so we're gonna exactly we're gonna protect the sanctity of the draft in this instance. Uh, if you had paid us five dollars and said Peyton Manning moves on, he would have totally moved on. That's how life works. It's all about the money, baby. Jesus. <laughs> Next matchup we have 1959 Johnny Unitas up against 1972 Larry Brown, and. Social media has probably never heard of Larry Brown before because that's the way the 1970s works. Um, so they voted for Johnny Unitas because somehow he's more well-known. Um, but also, I mean, I don't know. Is it is it fair? What do you guys think? In this situation, I think it is. Now, I, I'm definitely, you've got two older guys here. I'm definitely going to error correct here. Just shy, literally one yard shy of, 2,900 yards with 32 passing touchdowns. That's fantastic for a quarterback in 1959. A 14 interceptions, that's about expected for a quarterback in 1959. Larry Brown, my issue is going to come down to fantastic total yards, 1,600 of them. I have an issue with the nine fumbles. I, I'm going to agree with, with uh, social media, our social media friends out here, and I'm going to move on Johnny as well. Yeah, I mean, we talked about how, you know, maybe Unitas, Earl Morrill, a couple of these other Colts players might have benefited from the system. But this was absolutely a great year from Johnny Unitas. Of course, winning the league championship, the NFL championship at the time, is kind of the cherry on top there, for me at least. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking about pre-60s, pre-merger numbers here. It's impressive, and Larry Brown wasn't a strong guy for him to go up against anyway. I'm curious how much Unitas is going to be able to go on further, especially considering he has to face Lamar Jackson in the next round. Right. Kind of brutal. He was our last instance of Johnny Unitas, too. So one out of three moved on in the second round, and zero out of that one is going to be able to move on, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he'll probably win on – on social media, though, for some reason. On Facebook, at least, right? Social media for old people. Yeah. Speaking uh, of which, I put the, the polls and stories on Instagram, and then they go get shared directly to Facebook. 
for whatever reason, Facebook was not allowing people to vote. I apologize hmm. for that. I'm going to look into how, like what the hell is going on with that. And if I, if I need to post it both places separately, I will. Uh, I just, I, I got to look into it first. I apologize to everybody that was trying to vote on Facebook and was unable to. Okay. Moving on. Next match of all the day. A couple of old school guys here. Y.A. Tittle. It's Yelberton Abraham Tittle. Up against Roman Gabriel. The um, nicest MVP of all time. It was a very nice MVP. And the the first Filipino-American quarterback in NFL history in Roman Gabriel here. Um, interesting fact for you. I don't know why. Uh, why well, hey, Tittle did win on social media. So what do you guys think? I'll let you take this one first, Ben. I feel like some of it's that more people know YA Tittle than Roman Gabriel. I do think that plays a part in it. However, you also look at the numbers. Tittle threw more interceptions, twice as many actually, uh, but he also threw 600 more passing yards. He had seven more touchdowns. I guess it kind of cancels out, you know, touchdown interception thing there. Higher completion percentage. Man, I I got to go with Wyatt Tittle. I think uh, I think social media, y'all got it right there. I'm going to agree, and the reason I'm going to agree requires a little inference from what the stats show. And what this tells me is Y.A. Tittle was probably passing more per game and passing more over the season than Roman Gabriel was. I respect what Roman Gabriel did. I love that he has a 4-to-1 touchdown interception ratio. That's fantastic. But when you're looking at who's the most valuable player to their team, I think in this case it's going to be Y.A. Tittle. So I'm going to go with Tittle as well. Really interesting as well. You had me go first so that you could do that math, didn't you? You didn't want to screw up that that ratio again. No, I've just been going first just about every time it feels like. So I want to give you a chance to go first. You didn't want to mess up the math. It's okay. I don't blame you. (laughs) He's a history major. Anyway, <laughs> um, interesting stat here. Y.A. Tittle was in his 40s when he won this MVP. So, suck it, Tom Brady. Yeah, Tiddy. <laughs> uh, uh, looks like uh, you're looking at it too quick. Next matchup of the day, we have Jim Brown in 1965, his third and final MVP. Uh, up against John Elway in his first and only MVP in 1987. Now, social media did go with Jim Brown here. What do you guys think? I don't think this is a close – or I think this is closer than social media would have you believe. Jim Brown won in a bit of a landslide pretty much everywhere. Uh, but I got to give some respect to John Elway. No, this was not his best year. He arguably should have won more MVPs. I don't think anybody wants to debate that. I just I, I think people see fullback and they see the numbers Jim Brown had and don't understand what his position really was at the time for the Cleveland Browns. Everybody knows who John Elway is, understands what he did. And yeah, this wasn't his best season. These numbers aren't super impressive, especially for the late 80s, and he would have better numbers later on in his career. But all in all, I think I'm going to go with John Elway on this one. 
the thing that that actually swings me to Jim Brown, um, there's two things that swing me over that direction. Number one, he almost had as many rushing touchdowns as he did as John Elway had passing touchdowns. That being said, I am aware that most of the fullbacks carries, especially back in that day, were on the goal line, you know, go rush it in. But 5.3 yards per carry is actually really solid, too, especially over for 1,500 yards over 14 games. Man, that's that's fantastic to me. Um, I wish this were a different John Elway. I wish I had another instance of John Elway. But in this situation, comparing these two seasons, I think Jim Brown was more valuable to to the Browns than Elway was looking at these stats to the to the Broncos. I agree, man. Give us Elway ten years later, and he's like obviously the MVP. Facts, uh, and he just didn't win in eighty in ninety seven, ninety eight for some reason it, when it he probably no totally could have. Yeah, it makes no sense that he didn't. Right. But anyway, yeah, John Elway's knocked out of the entire bracket now. Almost feels wrong. But wrong. It's yeah. True. So, okay. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of it. It feels dirty. Next matchup of the day, we have 2006 LaDainian Tomlinson up against 2002 Rich Gannon. Another landslide on social media, not going to lie. LaDainian Tomlinson took this one going away. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's not even worth a thought. It's LT all day. Uh, and I say that 31 touchdowns, two fumbles. And that's not saying fumbles lost. That is just two total times turf in the football. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how I don't take LT in this situation. Uh, Yeah, he broke the record for rushing touchdowns in a season after it had been set. The previous the season year. before, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. this was this was the golden time for running backs in the NFL, and Ladainian Tomlinson was consistently the class of the NFL for about a four or five year stretch. Yeah, I, Rich Gannon, man, he had one hell of a season, but that's the problem. He had one. He was also about forty years old when this happened. So again, suck it, Tom Brady. <laughs> And ironically enough, speaking of Tom Brady, he uh, lost his Super Bowl to the Buccaneers. Yeah, right. Man, what a wild game that was, 2002. That was after he lost to Tom Brady in 01 to the tuck rule. (laughs) Right. Man, what a rough postseason history for Rich Gannon. (laughs) Brutal. Brutal. Uh, Next matchup of the day, we do have 1992 Steve Young. Up against 2000, Marshall Falk. And uh, this one was kind of back and forth. Different social media had different things. Uh, Marshall Falk ended up taking it in a big way, though. One of our social medias really pushed it hard towards Marshall Falk. Twitter. It was <laughs> insane. It wasn't even close. It was close until we got to Twitter, and he right. swept it. Um. Am I the only one seeing 2,100 total yards, 26 touchdowns, and not dropping my baby sister on the grass? You are not. Twitter unanimously agreed with you, as we just said. <laughs> I I feel dirty with this. And I, keep in mind, he did this on the St. Louis turf. 
without right. getting injured, didn't fumble it. I, I, yeah, I'm pushing on Falk. Like, there's, I, I can't, I can't even attempt to push on Steve Young. Why would you feel dirty about pushing on Marshall Falk? I really don't understand it. Because, because when you look even, at, when you look at Steve, even related. What? Oh, are you, are you making an argument for Steve Young? Is that where your, your issue is? No. Yeah. I feel bad. I feel dirty knocking Steve Young out at this well, point because Steve Young has another instance of. All right. Then, yeah. We're, and we're good. Move on. We're good. 1994. Steve Young is still in this thing, but 1992 Steve Young. Yeah. Get out of here. Marshall Falk's time. Yeah. I wasn't and, talking about Kevin. Yeah. Okay. Again, this was an era dominated by running backs, and particularly the early, you know, end of the 1990s, early 2000s was dominated by the Rams because, Doug, you know, I'll just let you take it away from here. Yeah, so the season before, 1999, we had Kurt Warner, and the season after Marshall Falk, too, but this is the 1999 Kurt Warner that we're looking at right here, up against the 2016 Matt Ryan. Um out of kind of out of nowhere season for Matt Ryan, honestly. He'd always been kind of a on the edge of Pro Bowl kind of guy. And then and boom. He reverted back to it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but this is honestly a really tight matchup as far as stats go. And social media went with Kurt Warner. What do you guys think? Man, I really want to push Matt Ryan on at least once because he has a very, very nice completion percentage. Um, but when it comes down to it, it would have been even better if it were 69.42, right? Uh, when it comes down to it, stepping in as a replacement quarterback, leading your team to a Super Bowl with arguably the greatest offense of all time. Uh, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be Kurt here for me. Yeah. Um, you don't sound too torn about it. Yeah, is there is there really any real debate to be had here? So Matt Ryan has more yards, <laughs> half the interceptions, uh, higher completion percentage, and half the interceptions. One of these guys choked in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Can you only blame that on Matt Ryan, though? Thank you. I mean, no, but he hasn't been the same since. Kurt Warner went on to continue a Hall of Fame career. After Dude, if my defense blew a 28-3 to lead, I'd have a psychotic break, too. <laughs> Probably true. My, my coach is sitting there, run the ball. Coach, they're stacking the box, run the ball. Coach, they're stacking the box. Our defense will stop them. Coach, they haven't and stopped them all half. And this is why Dan Quinn is now just a coordinator and not a right. coach. Right. Man. At the same time, the story of Kurt Warner in 1999. I think I think yeah, you also this... got to look at, you know, you talk about Matt Ryan has more passing yards. You are correct. However, 1999 was not the same game as 2016, right? right. That's why right. 2000 and 2001, you had it trade the trade-off between Marshall Falk and Kurt Warner, and realistically, Marshall Falk could have won in 2001 as well. Right. You're right. And this was the greatest show on turf for a reason. And Matt Ryan didn't even, that doesn't even lead the league in yards now. I mean, it's just not the same. Kurt yeah, Warner Kurt Warner's so fucking young in this picture. It's, it's I know. Mind. It's really hilarious. 
And now he's pointing at the BDT logo. Had to have been like 30 or so still. I know. <laughs> he looks it's really not right. He looks like he's 15. <laughs> like he just started shaving um, and said, I think for a week. I do think part of that is behind him is Orlando Pace. And also everybody true. looks small compared to Orlando Pace. That's so that's valid. <laughs> it's also the long sleeves on the old Puma jerseys. I love the Puma jerseys. Okay, we gotta right. move on. We gotta move on. Last matchup of the day, we have 2015 Cam Newton up against 2005 Sean Alexander. I know we've talked about him very briefly already. Uh, Social media went with him, too. A record breaker in his time, but his record didn't stand for long. I I wish we had... I I think LaDainian Tomlinson might have the legs to make it to a point where these two could match up, but I don't know that Sean Alexander does. It's going to be an interesting matchup between Alexander and Kurt Warner. Well, I, I'm not sure how social media is going to go on that, but I will say Sean Alexander had an absolutely amazing season. Everybody at the end of the season said, I don't know when we're going to see another season like this. What do you know? And then it happened the next year. Um, right. Here's my thing. You're going to be an MVP. You're going to lead your team to a 15-1 season. That's fantastic. You're going to give up in the Super Bowl like you did. I have problems with that. Um, you you dive at that football. You go pick up that fumble. Um, moreover, a 59.8% completion percentage really is nothing fantastic. 3,800 passing yards is, is cool. I wish I saw how many rushing yards he has. We don't have it in front of it's us right now. not that many. I didn't put them there for a reason. It was surprisingly low. Well, that's that's all I need to know then because that that's going to settle it. And I was leaning towards Sean Alexander anyway, but that that right there is it, man. If you can't can't piece it all together, then you're you had a great season, but you didn't have the best season. I will say, even though rushing yards were low for Cam Newton, rushing touchdowns were certainly a factor. That's why I have total TDs there, not just passing TDs. I think yeah. he ran for like ten touchdowns. So yeah, and, and that checks because. My right. dude was at the one, and he's so so big, he just stood up, and it was a touchdown. Yeah. Right. <laughs> In defense of Cam Newton, this game really, like, it was 24 to 10, but this game was not as close as, it, as the score would indicate. I wouldn't give up in the Super Bowl, but I, you know. My issue is that happened really on, like, he gave up. I mean, my issue is it happened early in the game, right? It wasn't like, oh, I'm down 24-10, and it, it happens. It happened on, like, the first or second drive when the Broncos were I think feasting. that's more reason to not go for the ball because if he right. gets hurt, who was their backup in that game? Yeah, but eh, um, I'd have to go look at it again. I just it, – that whole play that's... never sat right with me. <laughs> uh, and I, I, know it does, I know it doesn't for a lot of people. I'm not, like – this is not me singling right. you out or anything. No, it, I know. It's, there's a lot more to consider than a play – early in the game that he may or, you know, may or may not have given up on. Let's just say we agree with social media. Sean Alexander had a more impressive season. <laughs> Leave it at Absolutely. that. Leave it there. All right. So that is all of our matchups for today. We have plenty of matchups coming up still. I mean, we're going to keep rocking through this sucker. So stay on, stay on track with us on social media. Keep voting in our polls. Gonna keep putting these suckers out. Uh, very next week, we're gonna see Tom Brady up against Brian Sipe. 
That would have been a great matchup to see in real life. Uh, two of the whitest quarterbacks of all time. Just lighten it up. <laughs> Only 30 years <laughs> apart. Uh, next up, we have 2001 Kurt Warner up against another Tom Brady. Wow, I wonder how many times we're going to see him. Uh, did the twice. did the Rams win three MVPs in a in a row? Kurt Warner, yes, they did. Kurt Warner, nice. Yeah, and he looks so much older in this than he does two years two ago. Years apart. <laughs> That's that the Navy gold doesn't help. I'm not going to lie. That's the difference of having Orlando Pace in the background on the other one. <laughs> Got to say, probably say valid. I say it every time, but man, those Puma jerseys are fucking nice. I know, I know. A uh, next matchup here: Joe Montana up against Lawrence Taylor, the only defensive MVP remaining. Let's see if he Alan Bates beats on the first round. quarterback. Right, <laughs> man. Walter Payton against OJ Simpson, battle of the running backs. And this is this is going to be interesting to see too, because this is a common comparison that comes up when you're comparing running backs, right? A lot of people hold Jim Brown in super high esteem, and you got Barry Sanders up there with Jim Brown. You start getting into that 3-4-5, a lot of people will get stuck on the O.J. Simpson-Walter Payton debate, so it's going to be very interesting to see how social media goes. I am just now noticing that I have a comma in 1,852 yards for Walter Payton, and I don't have any commas anywhere else for anybody else. That's really <laughs> annoying me now. <laughs> uh, is what it is. He's so asking you to so please to kill, switch the slide. To kill Doug's ADD or OCD, make sure to keep moving on Walter Payton. This works in yes. my favor so much. Thank you so much, Doug. <laughs> Next matchup, we have Peyton Manning up against Terrell Davis. Battle of the Broncos here. That's just, that doesn't even sound right. Peyton Manning won Yeehaw. many, many more MVPs with the other horse team. And now the, the Broncos, yeah, this last one. <laughs> Do we have two horse teams? Is that what we're calling them now? And when we horse have two teams. pirate teams. Yeah. Uh, we got several birds. This one is uh, Art Star against Patrick Holmes. Uh, you couldn't ask for a more disparate era matchup here. Literally the first Super Bowl MVP up against, I don't know, one of the most recent ones. That is, wow, what a matchup here. I don't even, I don't even know what to start Congratulations on moving on. <laughs> Probably. Uh, Earl Campbell up against Steve Young. See, Steve Young's back. Tug's favorite player. Yeah, that he yeah, yeah. totally remembers the name of all the time. I do, yeah, I do. it's Earl Campbell, it's right there. <laughs> And the last matchup that we will have next week, Brett Favre against Peyton Manning. That sounds like a Super Bowl that should have existed. It didn't. It really does. It really does. And it's in part because the uh, the Rams were so dominant in the NFC for a three, four-year run there. Right. But so was Brett Favre for a three-year run when back-to-back-to-back MVPs. So this yeah, is one of those. But – but you see, the Packers, and Ben's going to love this, the Packers have a tendency to lose in the NFC Championship game and just not piece here. it all together. 
Yeah, years. this they won this one, and Peyton Manning yeah, still hadn't gotten over the hump in 04. So, right. Yeah. Well, normally I would be all for what you're putting down. Uh, there's there's some difficulties with it this time. It's just not true this time, Doug. We can't just. I, be, I, I said historically. I did not specify this specific time they did not put it together. I I'm adding to the reasons as to why we never had a Peyton Manning Brett Favre <laughs> Super Bowl. Well, I don't want there to be more reasons. I want there to be fewer reasons. I want it to happen right now. Let's get them out of retirement. Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, one on one, mano y mano. Get them in the octagon. Playing all. <laughs> wait a minute. This is for all we, the marbles. We've switched sports. <laughs> Peyton Manning's neck would just snap. Look, I'm surprised it hasn't under the weight of his dome, okay? Brett Favre's back would go, too. So, Have you seen Davis Mills' neck? That's a that's a mashup I want to see. Look, as long Whose as neck will snaps, last longer, Peyton Manning or Davis Mills? Only if we do this like it's a fucking giraffe fight, okay? Yeah, Peyton Manning and Davis just... Mills just necking each other on ESPN. I mean, Peyton Manning has the bigger forehead, so I feel like he's got more surface area to attack with there. <laughs> hey, what are we even not talking allowed. about? What are we talking about? That's a different bracket for a different episode. <laughs> How did we get to this spot? Because you said what? Peyton Manning's neck would snap in the octagon. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. I didn't no, say you, anything you about said the that. octagon. Yeah. Oh, no, man. I said it would snap under the weight of his own head. I, who cares who said what at this point? We just need to move on. Forget this ever happened. Guys, look. Look. <laughs> We've had our social media links scrolling across the bottom the whole time. If you're an audio listener, check us out at patreon.com backslash BDT football, twitter.com backslash BDT football, or at BDT football on Twitter. Same thing on Facebook. Instagram, it is BDT underscore football. Also, check out our website, bdtfootball.com. Doug, you've been putting up some awesome uh, draft, mock drafts, and you're working on a few other, a few other things there. If you're live on the show, as always, make sure to drop a question, leave a comment, tell us we're awesome, tell us we suck. We'll make fun of you, too, for wasting your time heckling us. <laughs> and uh, if you can't join us live, mailbox at bdtfootball.com. You can send your questions there. We'd love to see them. Man, what a what a show. What oh, a my God. <laughs> wow, what a great podcast. Hey, Turn why did back. Han Solo... Enjoy his steak dinner. It was too chewy. Yeah. I knew where that was headed, and I didn't want All right, to ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for listening. And just remember, you can't win it. It's good.